In the words of Bruce Buffer, it's time. I'm Matt Thomas. He's Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Good, man. How are you, dude? I'm doing doing great, man. Uh, recovering well. Had to take some sick time last yeah. week. I appreciate you uh, holding down the fort of the podcast and whatnot. Of course. Yeah. Uh, you did a great job with a bunch of interviews that we have coming up and that, that we had released already. So I'm um, really excited to be back and talking hoops with you again. What else is new with you? Uh, same old, same old, man. Um, as we'll discuss later on in the show, I uh, got the um, fortunate chance to go to my first NBA game uh, with my girlfriend. A great experience. So lots of thoughts on that. So I'll, I'll save those for the end. <laughs> awesome. Lots to talk about with you. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, those of you who are tuning in live with us. We appreciate it, as well as those of you listening um, to this on the podcast feed later on. Just a quick heads up, in case you didn't notice, we have still been putting out a lot of content. And if I may say so, a lot of great content, too. We had an interview that dropped last Wednesday with Jason Concepcion, uh, talking about the Knicks, kind of the roots of that franchise and the heart of that franchise. Great listen with him. Uh, we had another interview that dropped last Friday. Brian Kalbrowski dropped some analytics knowledge with us, uh, talked about the Bulls a lot, as well as the Eastern Conference overall. Still a lot of relevant information in both of those uh, podcasts, a lot of evergreen info there. And then just this past Monday, Justin had the pleasure of talking with NBA TV's Kristen Ledlow. So that interview dropped on Monday. Tomorrow, I don't think I'm spoiling anything at this point. If I say Blazers fans and anyone interested in Damian Lillard, you're going to want to check out our interview, Justin's interview most recently with Danny Morang. That's a great episode. And then we have another great guest on the show on Friday. So a lot happening. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast feed. If I'm preaching to the choir, I apologize. Let's go ahead and get right into some topics for today. Uh, by the way, by the time you hear this, it, it may already be Thanksgiving where you are. So we want to wish you guys a very happy Thanksgiving to all our American listeners and just anyone who's celebrating that. Uh, we are certainly thankful to have this platform to discuss NBA topics with you guys. It's always a lot of fun for us. So um, so there's that. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into these standings. So looking at the East, the Nets have risen to the top seed in the East. Sad for the Bulls, but the Bulls are right there. The Bulls are doing fine. So it's not like the Bulls fell off a cliff or anything. The Wizards slid a little bit. The main thing I wanted to mention about the Eastern Conference is two things. It's very tight still between Four and 13, super tight in the East right now. The Pacers are the 13th seed at 8 and 11. They've won their last two games, so they've started increasing their relevancy. The other thing is that we've seen some kind of classic powers of the last couple of years correct course. The Hawks are looking better, the Celtics are looking better, and the Bucks are looking better. Justin, did you have anything to add for the Eastern Conference? No, that's about it. Um, I think the Bulls have done pretty well considering just the, the crazy road trip. I know they got destroyed by the Pacers, but um, I think Dallas coming off a of back-to-back. So um, 
eh, what can you do? But I think for the most part, you're right. I think we're seeing a lot of leveling off. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Wizards and what happens with the Hornets. Um, those are two teams that a lot of people thought were not going to be relevant, and instead they are. So now yep. basically, like you said, there's there's a jockeying for a position between 1 and 13. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see um, what's going to happen when we get towards Martin Luther King Day, towards the All-Star break, in terms of teams normally just like taking it easy and just like not really caring about the first half of the season. Now if you drop, you know, two or three games, that could cost you. It's too tight. So I think normally you would see guys sitting. Now they're going to play because it's just too close. So um, I think it's great that it's, it's pretty tight in the Eastern Conference. 100% agree. And I agree with your questions about the Wizards and Hornets. I would also add in the Knicks, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of questions with that team lately. In spite of them, I mean, really, they've gone even their last 10 games, as you can see there. Uh, there have been a lot of question marks. Um, you know, that that fan base can be prone to drama, as, as we talked about with Jason Concepcion. So we got to see if they're legit, if they're going to be about what they were last year, or if they're taking uh, a slide, if, if the rest of the East has just kind of risen above their level. Uh, let's move into the Western Conference. As you talked about with Kristen Ledlow, I mean, the Warriors have been a great surprise this year. And kind of something that maybe we shouldn't be this surprised about, but just nobody that we've talked to, nobody from last season that we talked to really saw this coming where they were going to be dominating the West to this point. I mean, 15 and two dominance, I I think is the way to put it. Um, I think what surprises me the most, real quick, Warriors are at the top of the conference. The Rockets have lost 15 straight. They're in (laughs) full-on tanking mode. And uh, just quick note, since the Rockets are my team, I do have a nickname for them. You, you'll, I'm going to test this on you, Justin. All you right. can tell me if you like it or not. All right. All right. The Rockets of this year, the tanking Rockets, which is pretty clear they're tanking. Uh, if, if, it, if it wasn't to this point or if it wasn't before now, it is to this point. The Rockets of this year, they're the bottle Rockets. You got mm. four newbies on that squad, the four draft picks. One of them's actually back down um, uh, playing for the uh, Rio Grande Vipers now. Oh, wow. You got, so you got kind of like the baby bottle thing, and then you got the the bottle rockets. So they're not as explosive as hopefully I can they see will that. be someday. All right. I'm going to keep workshopping yeah. this. Bottle rockets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this a thing. <laughs> yeah, keep um, pushing it on Twitter, man. There we go. I I have not pushed this on Twitter yet, so I was waiting for your reaction, which is kind of lukewarm. So we'll see. But I'll I'll give it it a shot. I'll cast a line on Twitter. It has potential. (laughs) All right. All right. That's all I need. Um, So, yeah, Warriors and the Suns are are riding pretty right now. The Jazz still look very solid, at least for a regular season team. The team that surprised me most in the West to this point is actually the Clippers sitting there in fourth. I did not have them as, um, you know, a top four seed at any point in this regular season. Just the fact that they don't have Kawhi Leonard. I thought the Mavericks would be above them. I thought a couple other teams on this list, the Nuggets, although they've got some other concerns that they're dealing with. And Jokic has been out lately. Um, So very tight between seeds uh, three and ten in the West, which makes sense since we're still less than 20 games in the season. But Justin, uh, what else stands out to you in the West? 
Um, I think what stands out to me is the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mm. mean, they're eight and nine. I mean, a lot of people said they're gonna, you know, be in that, that tanking sweepstakes. You know, they're right in the thick of things. Um, they were last week when you and I talked. Yeah, so yeah, they won their last four. Um, I think the the Lakers, you know, despite that's recording of this podcast, them losing to the Knicks, um, I think they'll be back up near top. Um, I think the main thing is what's it's very interesting because you know the Western Conference is stereotypically like the power conference, right? But really, you only got like what two teams, power teams, maybe three with the Jazz. No disrespect. Other than that, like four through really, I would say ten. I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot, to be honest, right now. I mean, no one's really providing any separation be- besides the Suns and Warriors. So I'm curious to see, especially with, like, the Grizzlies with John Morant. I mean, if the Grizzlies end up in that top four position, which I think it's plausible, I think you got to consider John Morant for, you know, MVP consideration. I think that's – I don't know if he's, he's not going to win it. But certainly, I mean, if they're – in the top four, I think that deserves some discussing. I mean, he's been playing phenomenal so far. So um, that's what I'm noticing. I agree with you with the Clippers. Um, you know, the Mavericks are are about what I expected. Even the Trailblazers, mm. you know, we talked about with Danny Morang. That's kind of like a it's, it's a great interview with Danny because he provides a lot of insight. But at the same time, it's just like you can sense just the frustration that he has with this team in terms of even though all the drama – that the Trailblazers are going through, they deserve to be better at than this, than nine and eight. So I think overall, I think it's going to be very interesting. Again, I think it's very competitive. And I think I'm wondering too, and hopefully we can have one of our former guests on, Jeff Stotts, um, a expert in injuries, and just seeing how many players are sitting. I'm very curious to see how many players are resting on a back-to-back, um, mm. just compared to you know how competitive it is this season. Because I just, like I said before, like you can't really afford to blow games now. So, yeah. I, so we're almost 20 games in. Lakers are definitely disappointing. Yeah. The Russ experiment is is I think widely criticized at this point. Are are you at a point in time where there's any sort of sense of panic with the Lakers or? Um, you know, they're at ninth right now, nine and 10. I mean, of course, I think both you and I expect them to climb again. Obviously, LeBron missed a game or is missing a game, I believe, tonight with suspension. We'll talk yeah. about that. But um, any any concerns, reason for panic for the Lakers right now? Um, No reason to panic yet. I think because you have LeBron and you have Anthony Davis, they're always going to be formidable. So... It's one of those things with both those guys. As long as you're, I think what the Lakers are aiming for is just be above the sixth seed. That's all they mm-hmm. have to worry about. I think home courts are relevant to them. I don't think that matters. I don't think that's going to affect things. Um, the Westbrook thing is, you're right. That's a problem. <laughs> um, I, I just feel like trying to incorporate him into the lineup. I feel like it's a hindrance rather than an asset compared to they have Rondo on the team, which you can kind of just incorporate his strengths compared to Westbrook, which I think he's going to blow games for you. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we head into, you know, the, the, the nitty gritty when, you know, March, when those games, you know, are being more focused upon, I think that's where we're going to get more of the passive aggressive LeBron <laughs> if Westbrook's making those mistakes. But I don't think it's time to panic. I think the Lakers have a lot of still talent on their team and the teams above them. I don't think they're, 
that much better than the Lakers. So I wouldn't be super concerned if I'm, you know, a Lakers fan. However, the, the Westbrook thing is concerning. You're right. That's for sure. Yeah, and I, I would just think you don't want to be slotted into a first-round matchup against the Warriors or the Suns no. at this point. Hmm. I think anyone else is a potential first-round victory for them. Um, unless Dallas really steps up their game, uh, you know, Luca playing into shape and things like that. If he, they could be dangerous as well, I could see just from who's going to stop Luca, that kind of perspective. But, um, but yeah, I'm with you. You know, it's, it's not quite time to panic just yet, but I, I would want to see them climb in those standings. Uh, like you said, I, I think that's a good range kind of being a top six seed uh, for that um, veteran team there. Right on. Let's go ahead and get into our main topics for the week. The first one I wanted to bring up, and I've got these all booked mark, bookmarked nice and neatly in, in Twitter here. The Kings went ahead and fired Luke Walton. It's not a surprise to either of us or Alan Munzler, shout out, or Josh Kuhn, shout out, because we all were in agreement in our preseason episode, our uh, our season house party episode, that Luke Walton would be the first coach fired. What surprised me was seeing this post um, from Wiseman Burner on the NPA Reddit feed that actually shows that Luke Walton is the second winningest coach in terms of win percentage in Sacramento Kings history kind of boggles the mind. He's got a 0.42 win percentage went 68 and 93 during his tenure uh, on the Kings sidelines there. What are your thoughts on, on this firing? (sighs) My thoughts are, I have a lot of sympathy because um, ever since we had Morgan Reagan, former guest of the show, shout out to Morgan, shout out to Deuce, Deuce and Mo, um, great show for it. Mm-hmm. really any. I mean, you don't have to be a Kings fan to watch it. It's a great podcast all around. But I can sense it's, it's it's funny, Matt. Just talking to all these journalists and people that cover these teams, I just have a lot more sympathy <laughs> in terms of mm-hmm. them losing mm-hmm. for a long period of time. So it's like it's one of those things where they kind of saw the writing on a wall with this whole Luke Walton situation of like, why didn't they just get rid of him in the beginning of the season? So. I personally like the Kings in terms of their talent on their team. I don't know what's going on with the Aaron Fox. He just seems just off this season. Um, but I think it was, I don't know, It's they have Alvin Gentry as the interim head coach. We'll see what happens. I heard, I'm trying to remember, um, it was a former player. I forgot his name, but there was rumors that he might be in line for the coaching job. I don't know. Um I think what it shows with this 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 record here, man, that we're watching is incompetence. Like Absolutely. this organization, ever since Rick Adelman left, you know, you take a look at this, it's probably one of the most mismanaged franchises in the NBA, unfortunately. And, you know, Deuce and, and Morgan there was talking about, you know, the last game against the Utah Chess when you probably heard about the fan, you know, puking on the sideline. <laughs> and yeah. 
you can just hear the fans, you know, just they're a dance. They're saying they're a dancer. They're trying to have a good time, you know, while this is weird situation going on. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, they're trying to make the best of the situation. The team is not performing well. You got the guy that's sitting in his own, whatever you want to call it. It's <laughs> just the worst situation. A long time. He did. That's what I was saying. It's like, don't you move when you, would you want to get out of there immediately? He just sat there. Like, I don't understand that. But anyways, I, I just feel overall, Sacramento has a great home court, and just to treat they have a new new arena, like they got a new arena, and just mm-hmm. to, I think have the incompetence of not running this team, it sucks. I, I really feel for them because they deserve a winner. You know, I think we've seen the Clippers, you know, get it together. Um, why not the Kings? It's just unfortunate. Um, I think for Luke Walton, it's a situation where I don't think his coaching style is set to coach a young team. And mm-hmm. I think you see it here of just talent full of potential. I think his skill set's not for that. So I think he saw that exposed with the Sacramento Kings. But at the same time, he has the second best record in franchise history. So I take that for whatever it's worth. Yeah, I I just don't think any coach is going to be successful on this franchise the way it yeah. currently is run and constructed. Uh, I do feel extra sympathy for Luke Walton because he was also forced out of the Lakers job because he wasn't LeBron's guy, basically, is is what it seemed like. Uh, There was just a regime change there. The season before LeBron got there, if if you remember, he had like Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, those guys playing really hard basketball, Brandon Ingram. Uh, They had a good stretch under him, uh, actually played some pretty good defense (laughs) under him. So not like Luke Walton doesn't know how to coach at all. I just think this Kings job is an impossible situation right now. And Agreed. I, I think it needs to be, you know, it's, it's a top down problem. Um, so I, I, I think that's, that's about all we could probably say about that. We'll be curious to see how it develops and if they do a fire sale or if they become one of the top targets or one of the top destinations for Ben Simmons. Yeah. Uh, if they're really going to shake things up after, um, you know, letting go of their coach here. Uh, let's move on. We still have quite a few topics to get to, a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Um, this week, we got some bad news. We'll, we'll get to some other good news. Wanted to get through the negative ones first. Uh, but the Nuggets found out this week, this is coming from Mike Singer. Um, Michael Porter Jr. has nerve issue that could jeopardize his season league sources told denver post what's interesting about this is it was actually at the game i was at a couple weeks ago where michael porter jr missed a wide open layup and it was like his quad wasn't firing like he had Mm. no lift on his jump which i saw some people uh some physical therapists talking about that indicates like a nerve firing issue into his legs so of course it goes without saying we are all hoping for swift recovery. We're all hoping that he doesn't have to miss the entire season because I think it just completely shuts the door on Denver's chances altogether if, if he's gone. But um, Justin, any other thoughts uh, about this? Um, I agree with you. And actually, because I attended the, the Nuggets Bulls game, I think it's related to that a little bit in terms of mm. their lineup. I will say more of the thoughts till later, but a truly unfortunate situation. And, yeah, you're right. It's going to hurt the lineup. But um, in terms of kind of extended thoughts, I'll save that to what I saw in person because I think this is indicative of what the Nuggets are in store for the rest of the season. Mm. 
Yeah, bummer. Swift recovery, Michael Porter Jr. You know, Justin, you and I, I mean, the Nuggets are kind of like our our second team, sort of. We've rooted for them for a yeah. while now, these past couple of years, just because of how much we enjoy that squad um, and, and when our teams were less relevant. <laughs> um, so from Bleacher Report, next big news that came out, and I'm sure this was known for a while, but it was announced Starting December 25th, Christmas Day this year, the Staples Center in Los Angeles will be renamed the Crypto.com Arena. This is per Shams. Uh, Justin, I know you had some thoughts about this, so I'll, I'll just <laughs> send this to you. Yeah. I saw there was a lot of outrage. I didn't understand yeah. this. I mean, it's <laughs> sponsored by the Staples Center. The Staples Center paid a fee for their name to be on the arena. Same thing as crypto.com. So honestly, I think crypto.com is cool. Call it the crypt. Bam. Yeah. There you go. Like it's way cooler name. <laughs> like has more of a you know web 3.0 aspect to it. Just call it the crypt. I think it's cooler. I don't see the issue here. But I guess people get attached to names. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's that nostalgia thing, right? Yeah. I mean, people are just used to calling it staples. It was staples under Kobe, it was staples under Shaq. You know, I, I think the dot-com thing is going to take some getting used to because it, it kind of, like, just interrupts the flow of the name, you know? Well, no one will call it that. But, People just right, call it the crypt. Right. You know, yeah. just like with the pit, like, no one calls it Wise Pies Arena. Everybody <laughs> right. calls it the pit. So Right. I, and I I think, look, I, I'm i going to tick off some Laker fans here by saying this, but, like, Staples Center, I mean, I'm not from L.A., so I don't have this whole nostalgia thing going into it. But I always thought Staples Center was kind of lame <laughs> in the first place. Like the forum, very cool. Uh, very cool name, uh, which that, that was the name before it was Staples Center. But, I mean, like you got the Staples logo on there you can see in this picture here. I, I don't know. I think you're better off, like, getting rid of that name. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a traditionalist or anything when it comes to Staples Center. Uh, I think crypto.com arena will be better. And even if you just call it like crypto arena for short or whatever, I, I know the announcers for like naming rights purposes, they're going to have to say crypto.com arena, totally. but that's about the only time that that's going to be set in, in full, I think. And, and like you said, the fans can call it the crypt, have some fun with that. Or even like crypto arena, if you want to get yeah. rid of the .com among fans, I think it's still cool. So I'm with you on that. Anything else on on that new name change? I just feel like once your arena or stadium has a sponsorship, it's kind of over. Yeah. Like right now, get offended by if they're changed Lambeau Field, Wrigley Field, Fenway Park. Like, get offended by that. But once you have like you're sponsored by something, it's it's kind of like what are you gonna do? <laughs> it's eventually mm-hmm. the name's gonna change. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard there was an arena, uh, one of the arenas in Seattle is like the climate change awareness arena or climate change solutions arena or something like that, which mm. is kind of like, I, I don't know, not, not that I'm like against climate change solutions or anything like that. It's just kind of not a very attractive name for an arena in no, my, in my opinion. So I think at least crypto.com arena is a little, a little better than that. Uh, let's get into the big drama from the weekend this was Justin. This reminded me of an MMA match. <laughs> this reminded me of nights of you and our buddies going to uh, UFC in, in some ways. Good we had uh, LeBron James. Absolutely. Uh, we had LeBron James being uh, boxed out by Isaiah Stewart in, uh, you know, getting set up 
on the free throw line for uh, one of um, Isaiah Stewart's team teammates to shoot a free throw. And uh, Isaiah Stewart's kind of leaning on LeBron, kind of pulling him. LeBron looks like he did kind of a move to get some space from him. It looked intentional to me. I'll just say right off the bat. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be wrong. It, it happens very quickly, but LeBron's a very coordinated guy. Uh, in any case, LeBron nicks Isaiah Stewart on, I believe it was his right uh, eyebrow area. And you get like what happens in an MMA fight when you nick someone with an elbow where he just gets blood gushing down his face. Takes a little while for this to happen. Uh, scuffle kind of breaks out. Isaiah Stewart uh, gets in LeBron's face. They kind of talk a little bit and then they get the teammates and refs, officials, everyone pushing them apart. So nothing really happens in terms of like, like physical violence after that initial play happened. And then I think, and Justin, you can correct me how you perceive these events, but the blood starts to stream down Isaiah Stewart's face. And I think as that happens, Isaiah Stewart's anger starts to build and build and build. He goes after LeBron, goes after the Lakers players. We have Westbrook, you know, putting up his Dukes kind of fighting Irish mascot style of kind of humorous in this situation. (laughs) And then Isaiah Stewart acts like he's calmed down. He walks almost all the way to the other side of the court. And then psych, he's just faking. He's not okay. He breaks away from the guys, kind of like Marshawn Lynch style, runs through a couple people. Tons of memes all over Twitter on this was actually uh, pretty pretty funny. Um, And and then he's held back, doesn't make it all the way to LeBron. Um, So, Justin, I'll just open it up to you right away. Your thoughts on this whole incident. By the way, Isaiah Stewart suspended two games, as you guys can read on the headlines here, those of you watching. Uh, LeBron suspended one time. I didn't know this. LeBron's first ever suspension in hmm. the league. Hmm. Uh, first time he's ever been suspended in 19 seasons. But Justin, give, give me your thoughts on on this incident. Was it overblown? Was it, you know, as advertised? What, what are your thoughts on everything? Um, I heard some people say this is compared to Mouse in the Palace, and that's like a disgrace. Like I don't know, I don't know. There. <laughs> I was like, what? I was, I was yeah. just baffling. I don't know. That's people ridiculous. are people are stupid. So that's one. That's number one. <laughs> number two. When I first saw this, I was like, oh, this was like an accident. LeBron totally, um, you know, whatever. Boxing out, incidental contact. But then Jason Williams explained it on first take, and I thought his analysis was perfect in terms of when you're boxing out somebody, typically your arm is going down, and so you're not going for somebody's head. Like you're so mm-hmm. to, that That's pretty true. much that pretty much confirmed it was on purpose to me. Now, do you mean to like draw blood on him now? But I'm sure there's something earlier. It's like a receipt. So I do think the suspension was warranted. And honestly, at first, I'll be completely honest. I don't. I didn't think Isaiah Stewart deserved to be suspended. At first glance, when looking mm. at the incident, like he got cut. He was running. He didn't hurt anybody. There was a lot of hold me back. Nothing happened. But then I showed my girlfriend. She had a really good point. She looked at it a different perspective. Like, he was bleeding quite a lot. That's a health hazard. Like, and more, because people were saying, I think there are a lot of people that were for his suspension. It was like, oh, he instigated. You know, he could have gotten more, you know, 
people riled up, whatever. But really, like, kind of Cade Cunningham was really the only player that was over there holding Isaiah Stewart back, which surprised me. I'm like, where's the rest of his team? So I just think, like, him bleeding all over the court, bleeding all over Cade Cunningham from a kind of health perspective, I think that's more of a concern. Hmm. Um, just because he was bleeding profusely. I mean, we've seen it during games, you know, play stops for blood. I mean, you can't. You can't play through blood. It's immediately stopped, no matter what's happening. So to me, I think that's more of a concern. So I think that's probably more warranted in terms of the suspension. I think two Mm. games is obsessive, to be honest. For Isaiah Stewart, I think both deserve a game. Move on. Like, whatever. Mm. Like That's part of the game. It's more physical. Whatever. I think people trying to compare this to a fight is stupid. Like... Like, there's no fight. Isaiah Stewart got angry. He got put into the locker room, probably threw some water coolers, you know, got checked down. He's fine. Like, yeah, I, I, mean, don't, I, I mean, in the know. term of, in the grand scheme of NBA fights, this really was. It wasn't even a fight. Just an extended not hold me back fight. Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah. the, the only difference was the blood was jarring. Like, yeah, if, if you watch the clip, like, yeah, there's a lot of blood on his face. Uh, so I think that's the only thing that really makes it unique. Um, you know, that is, that is a good point about like the risk of like bloodborne pathogens and, and that kind of stuff. I, I hadn't really thought about it that way. I, I do think the other kind of larger point of this is we get another physical altercation here that sparks some drama in the league. Kind of goes in line with what we were talking about with Jason last week. Agreed. That I, I think sneakily... Or, or maybe not so sneakily, this is good for the league. I mean, this this is showing like a very intense situation. When was the last time a game against the Lakers and the Pistons mattered? I mean, maybe back in like 07, um, maybe back in 04 during the the finals that year. Uh, so, you know, you're you're getting more intensity in these games, more intense situations, more situations that more fans can care about and kind of relate to in a way like if if you've ever played you know like street ball and it gets a little heated out there it's good in many ways i feel for the nba to mimic some of that intensity level and some of that relatability obviously yes you don't want things escalating you don't want fans throwing stuff down there that that kind of stuff goes without saying but to have more intensity in these games we're getting that again i mean this is like the second or third week in a row where we've got a specific altercation to talk about. We've already talked about Jokic, of course, on the show we covered last week. We talked about Rudy Gobert with one of the guests and him kind of flopping around, getting into altercations in two different games in one week. So there are a lot of these instances that are happening, and I I think it's good overall for the league. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think what's going to be interesting is what the all-timers think of this because Mm -hmm. they're all like – the NBA is too soft. Back in my day, we used to have play with knives and guns and whatever back in the day. Now it's more physical, so you got your wish. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see if they're complaining about this. I mean, if they are, so what do you want? I don't understand. Like, it's more physical. Like there's more hand-checking, and I'll go into the game I saw later, a lot more physical play. So mm-hmm. I just – I don't – I'm very curious to see kind of the old garbage the NBA, what they think about this. I'm fascinated by their response because this is kind of their wet dream. So it's happening. So Yeah, and that, we might not get a pat on the back sort of for the modern era NBA until yeah. 
like the end of the season once That's the true. season is played through. Good point. Uh, but but I'm with you. Yeah, there's there's no doubt more physicality, and and I'm loving it to this point. Yeah. Uh, last bit of news here before I, w- I want to hear about the game you went to. Uh, Clay Thompson has been cleared to be a full participant at Warriors practice and is on track to make his return a week within Christmas. This again comes from Shams as well as Anthony Slater uh, from Bleacher Report. This is great news. This is the news we knew was coming. We're quite sure when exactly this would fall and to get clay for a Christmas day game would be wonderful. Uh, and uh, of course I don't have much analysis on this. The Warriors are crushing it. You'd imagine this is only going to help them and they can really take their time working him in gradually. You know, maybe the first game he plays like 15 minutes and then you see how he fits. You see how the rhythm comes to him and you, you have the luxury of adding time gradually to him. I don't even think he's going to need to play 30 minutes a game, at least at this point with how well they're doing. Uh, so we look forward to seeing how he looks just to give you guys, uh, of course, those of you watching have a little better visual of this, but uh, for those of you listening, the last time this comes from the handle at hoop mix only, I don't know if they're the originator of this post, but the last time clay Thompson played an NBA game, Anthony Davis was a Pelican. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard was a Raptor. Chris Paul was a Houston Rocket, and Jimmy Butler was a Philadelphia 76er. So just puts in perspective Long time. how much has changed in the league since Clay played. Uh, Justin, any thoughts about Clay? Uh, real quick, uh, I think when he gets back to the lineup, they're just going to be super dangerous. I'm fascinated to see them against the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, I'm, let's see how they match up because if they like crush the Suns in a playoff matchup, I think that tells you how great the Warriors are. Because one of those things where I think they get very disrespected, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. I think some people think they're like a fluke, which I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like I just mm-hmm. think it's kind of like they, you can't believe what you're seeing, especially with Clay Thompson. And, you know, I think, you know, I took a lot of, you know, not he, but, you know, I think I was in the minority in terms of thinking of him on that NBA 75 list. I think he's just a prolific player in this league. And I think we're going to see that once it comes back to the lineup. And to yep. me, I do believe they beat the Nets in the NBA finals if he is, you know, 70, 80%. Even with Kyrie. Wow. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, a lot of basketball to play until yeah, that for sure. point. It's early. But uh, I'm, I'm with you. They are absolutely a threat at this point and uh if he's 80 percent you know i I think that's kind of the line to draw where i i still have huge faith in the nets depending on when Kyrie is coming back and i do still believe Kyrie is coming back uh and and i could of course be totally wrong about that but um yeah they're they're no doubt a threat uh to at least make it into the finals, which that is a a big jump uh, from where we were at the start of the season, you know, looking in um, to have them even right now, just a a threat to win the Western conference. So Warriors are, are looking pretty again. Steph is right now the top MVP candidate. I would say, I think Giannis is going to make a climb as far as that goes. We'll see where that goes as well, but the Warriors are, are hot right now. Um, Justin, I know we went uh, a little longer than expected today, but I still want to hear about 
your NBA game experience. I, I went and saw the Rockets Nuggets, I believe about like three weeks ago now. Um, how was your experience uh, going to see your team play? Yeah, I'll summarize it real quick, and I have some questions to ask you so we, we don't stay on a stream too long. But um, number one, I'm going to say something controversial, and maybe this is this is the NBA thing, and maybe you can chime in on this, Matt. I felt the Nuggets' home court was weak. Mm. I cause there were a lot of Bulls fans there, and it's just and maybe we're spoiled, Matt, because you know just in case you guys don't know, we grew up together in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Huge lineage with the pit, massive home court legendary in the country and just when the bulls were winning it was a loud chance there's tons of bulls fans behind us they started to chant and then it went around the arena and really the nuggets fans didn't really do anything about it i mean it got louder when the nuggets had momentum but mm-hmm. when the bulls fans were making noise it's like they're coming into your house so you're gonna let them disrespect you like that so i thought <laughs> that was a observation uh, number two was just this nuggets team and as realized it like watching the second quarter because really the first quarter was competitive. Like the Nuggets had a lot of fire. Aaron Gordon played well in the entire game. And mm. some parts they abandoned just passing him the ball. But when he was the main option, he was killing Chicago in inside. Um Interesting. and it, it dawned on me in the second quarter, I'm like, they have none of their guys. <laughs> I mean it no Jamal Murray, no um Michael Porter Jr., no Joker. He's out with a wrist injury. So yeah. They're just playing with like their reserves, um, and they were competitive. Like, and man, Will Barton, he is like a phenom, man. Like, mm-hmm. holy cow! Some of the plays he was making, I was like, man. But I think it just yeah, tells you thick spin move. Yeah, it tells you like elite players in the league because Chicago is one of those things where they were steady. They would have ups and downs, but I never thought they were totally lapsing in the games compared to the Nuggets because there mm-hmm. was a stretch between I think the second quarter. I don't know. I don't know, three minutes remaining in the second quarter, and a lot of the third quarter where they were just aloof. They just mm-hmm. did not care. And Chicago torched him. So I think that just tells you when you don't have a star in leadership on the court. I mean, we have that great talent like Aaron Gordon and Will Barton. You could tell they're not leaders compared to the other three best players on the Nuggets. So that was a huge um, observation to me. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of Chicago, um, I will say – the good thing is that I saw with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan that I, mean, I think DeMar hit like six straight three throws pretty much to clutch the game for them. So that showed me a lot of superstar potential. Zach Levine went off in the fourth quarter. So that, that showed me a lot in terms of their resiliency. However, without um, Vucevic, they're soft inside. They got mm. killed offensively. <laughs> and I think Giannis is going to murder them. They, they play the Bucks. Good luck with that. Without Vucevic, <laughs> they're going to get slaughtered inside. They have mm. they have nothing in terms of offensive rebounding. So that's a yeah, massive maybe issue even with Vuce when you're mm-hmm. talking about Giannis. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and another see. thing, too, yep, you're right. I agree. And another thing too is with Lonzo Ball. Like <laughs> there are several times, even my, my girlfriend, she's like, "Why does he not want to shoot the ball?" <laughs> like he was mm. wide wide open several times, pass up open threes. Mm. And his three point shooting has improved. He didn't want to shoot it. Yeah, he's been good this year. I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was peculiar. But other than that, <clears throat> excuse me, great game. Um, I think with Chicago, I think when facing the Bucks, when facing um, the Nets, um, if you want to go even the entire NBA, probably, you know, 
let's just say if it was like a league-wide tournament combining all the teams, I don't think they beat the Lakers seven seven games. I think their weaknesses inside, they're like the Suns. I think the Warriors give them trouble. I just think in terms of elite teams, they are going to struggle. But I think they're farther ahead. So it's good to see them like competitive. But if we're having a serious conversation in terms of Chicago being like a title contender, they're not there yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you got to go yeah, fun. do a game at uh, the Ball Arena there in, in Denver. For sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, I I would say, like, the Bulls fans seem to travel pretty well. Uh, and, I mean, just about every kid growing up in the 90s probably has uh, a, a Jordan jersey somewhere or a Bulls uh, memorabilia. <laughs> so, true. Uh, wouldn't surprise me to see a lot of more Bulls gear. There, there were when I went to my game. There yeah. were Rocket fans there, but I I didn't really get a good perception of how much of that was just that we were sitting really close to the Rockets bench, um, or if there were more Rockets jerseys around the arena. Because I I didn't feel that so much as you did with like Rockets fans cheering very audibly that you could hear it like during the game. So sounds like the bulls travel a lot better, which uh, doesn't surprise me. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So right on, man. Well, we went 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot of fun as always. Um, I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving, you and your family, you too, uh, man. as well as everyone tuning in and listening to this. We really appreciate you guys. Um, and we will look forward to catching up with you again. Uh, Reminder, we got a podcast with Danny Morang dropping tomorrow. We got another one, a great one on Friday that Justin did. And then we'll have more content coming to you next week uh, and throughout the season as we ramp up for Clay Thompson's return and, and beyond. So um, wish you guys a very happy Thanksgiving again. Take care, and we will catch you soon. See you next time. Peace.